My name is Preston Grace, and I'd like to welcome you to the No Walls Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the No Walls Podcast. My name is Preston, and I'm here with our student pastor here at the break, Taylor Otterbine. How are you doing today, man? I am well. Voice is still not all the way back yet, but uh, we are making ground. That's good, man. I'm glad to hear that you are getting better. I uh, I was thinking today, earlier today, about um, how you are a professional communicator. And that's a pretty cool title, actually, because like your whole job is like to communicate the gospel to people. And uh, so I just kind of I kind of started thinking about communication and about how it's it's important that we're able to um, get our ideas out of our head and and communicate them to people. And so <clears throat> I think I've seen a lot of people, though, that have the ideas like they have um, they have them all together and they could articulate them beautifully, but they don't feel qualified to do so. And I've been in rooms with people like that. Like you can see it, like you can see the potential in them. You can see it. Uh, and so like, just to start off, um, what is, what would you say if you were one of those people and you feel like you're always in the corner with a good idea, you're, you, but you've never get to speak up. What would you say to someone like that? <clears throat> yeah, I think what I would say is <clears throat> one of the most amazing things about the human experience to me is that no two people can have the same one. Like, clearly the exact same mom and dad. You could be twins. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could be down on, like, a genetic level as close to the same as possible and still not have the same exact experience. <clears throat> and so for the person who's got ideas or thoughts or something they want to share, I would always encourage you to share it. I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give people is our perspective. It's one of the best parts of the social media world we live in is that you actually have the ability to present a new perspective like I remember being in Shakota, Oklahoma which is like this really small town in Oklahoma and I remember watching Snapchat get created I was like 19 years old as a student pastor and Snapchat came out and I realized something was shifting a community where kids had always dressed very rural you know what I'm saying like it we just pearl snaps boots and jeans which is fine there's nothing wrong with those things <clears throat> they weren't dressing like that anymore and I was watching in a singular generation a complete shift in fashion and in interests and in questions and thoughts that they were having. Like they had great, great grandparents that were doing the exact same thing professionally that their parents were doing. They were like fourth or fifth generation farmers. And they were the first kids ever to like wear joggers. And it was fascinating to me to see, like, how much just exposure to new perspectives can have an effect on you. And I think when it comes to life, I actually think that we have an obligation to share our story. I think that we have a mandate to tell people where we've come from and who we are and what we've seen and what we've known. And I believe you should communicate things through hope, right? I don't think anybody wants a Debbie Downer to just always be that guy that, or to always be that lady that needs to pop everyone's balloon. But I, I do think there's value in it. I, I think you can see it in any Pixar movie you love. Like there's something about being around people that are hopeful who share their stories. 
And one of the coolest things about humanity is our ability to accidentally help somebody. So what I mean by that is like, I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation or someone's had a conversation with me and they had no idea the effect they made. Like just in Walmart, someone says something and I'm walking away weeks later just thinking about like, that blew my mind. What an incredible story. I'm, I'm so like, I'm shocked right now that you've been through that, that you've gone through that. And I think when we hold back the voices that we have in our hearts, when we hold back our stories, when we hold back sharing the unique perspective we have, I think we're robbing ourselves. I think we're robbing ourselves of an opportunity to maybe do some good and help somebody, but we're also robbing the world of something because I do believe we all have a unique intrinsic thing we were put on this earth to do. And one of the primary ways that we can get people to learn, to see, to hear, to know is through communication. So if you have dreams and ideas and hopes in your heart, but you don't ever put them to words, you aren't just robbing you. You're robbing the people around you. Yeah. I I think um, like part of that, and it's something we've kind of talked about before, but like it's the Irwin McManus quote where it's like, we were imagined to imagine, like we were created to create. And it's like what you just said, like you're not only robbing you, like you're robbing the world. Like if you're not putting your ideas out there, then you are robbing the world of a potential future that you could have created. And uh, <clears throat> having that kind of like, like knowing that that kind of power is behind your words is it's really exciting, but it's also yeah. kind of scary, yeah. right? Because then I can create an awful future for people, like just with my words, with my ideas. And so uh, how do you, you're on the stage all the time. And you are quite literally creating um, the culture within this place with like like every sermon you create during Switch. How do you balance that like, like I have the power to make this place good, but also I have the power with a sentence to affect this culture negatively? That is a great question. <clears throat> and to be honest with you, it is one of the most intimidating parts of communicating from a stage is realizing like a just a word blurb could change the whole context of a message um and so when you realize your words have that much power i think you have an obligation to run it through the filters um you know we talk about having feedback culture and so like i don't preach without having people listen to it and there are a lot of people who would listen to that and be like that's the dumbest thing in the world why would you do that or like, how does someone else get to dictate what God told you? It's like, no, they're not dictating what God told me, but I just want to make sure you heard what I heard, right? So like if I say it in a way that it doesn't even communicate the point, like it doesn't matter. Like I remember hearing someone say years ago, like you could, pre you could preach the most profound sermon ever, but if nobody understands it, it's useless. <clears throat> and like I believe that. And so when it comes to realizing your words have that much power, I think we should be intentional about our words. Like, it's not just like stage communicators, like all communications like that. As a husband, like my words carry a huge amount of weight for my wife. So if I don't watch the way I speak to my wife or the tone that I use when I speak to her, or as a dad, like if I don't pay attention to the way I talk about my kids and the way I speak to my kids, it has massive implications on who they are. Like think about how many things that we've had in our life, good or bad, that were said to us that we can still recall. Like most people have a few really impactful conversations that they can remember when they were in high school 
when they're in middle school or that their parents said to them when they were kids, good or bad. Some of us have really beautiful ones and some of us have really tragic ones. But like one conversation can create a whole like world picture of ourselves moving forward. And so for me, it's realizing that my words really are that powerful and all of our words are that powerful. And so it's encouraging other people, but also myself to always run them through the filters. Like, how does that sound to you? Right. So like if I get on stage and um, let's say I want to talk about um, God can do anything and he'll work all things together for the good of those who love him. Well, I'm also wanting to figure out how am I communicating that truth and how's that landing? Because if I'm in here and I don't communicate that well and my life has been truly traumatic and I've had some deep scars and some deep hurts, that could come across as me saying, God did all of those things to you and you just need to trust him with it. And I don't believe that at all. But if I don't do the diligence of like asking how is that landing, then that's what could take place. And then I just communicated the opposite of everything I wanted to. And so when it comes to communication and trying to balance it out, I don't think it's just for stage communicators. I think it'd be good for all of us to run that at home. Like if we have to have a hard conversation with our kid because they got in trouble at school, wait to have it until your other significant others with you and have a conversation about how that went. Maybe after you have to have a hard conversation with your kid, ask your kid how it felt to them. You know, what did they get from it? Did they feel like they even heard you? Did they, do they understand why they got in trouble? Uh, next time you get in an argument with your spouse or ask them at the end of it and be like, so did you feel loved after that or did you feel like I came for you? Yeah. And I just think always asking questions helps us see how what we're saying is landing for the person in front of us. Because again, it doesn't matter what you meant to say. It matters what they heard. And that's a really important distinction because I think a lot of times we judge ourselves by our intentions, but other people by the product. And it just can't be done that way. It does not matter at all what you meant to say. It matters what they heard. Because I can't tell you how many fights I've had where it's like, I didn't mean that, but what you heard was completely different. And the result doesn't change, right? So it's like, it's irrelevant at times what you meant because what matters is how it landed. So I think we should always ask ourselves, how is what I'm trying to communicate being heard and run from there? Yeah. Do you think, so like if you get into a, like if you're getting into an argument with someone and, uh, or you're on the stage and you're saying something and maybe just to the, to the person you're saying it to, uh, they don't really catch your intentions, right? How much of that is on you and how much of that is on the person <laughs> that you're communicating to? That's a, Bro, that's a question. <clears throat> that's tough to answer. So <clears throat> I don't know how I would break that into a percentage, okay? So I do believe, to be clear, I can't make someone grow. I can't make somebody change. Like, no matter how much good I want for you, I can't make you decide you want to be healthy or take the dream job or shoot the shot, if you will. So there is a certain percentage of the fact that you have to own your own growth. Like I can love my kids fiercely, can be there for them. But at some point they're going to have to decide that they want to like tackle this world on their own with their own gift sets, with their own merit and not be leaning on dad to make it happen for them. Can there's a theoretical world where I could do a really good job as a parent and them still just make really bad decisions. I can't make them always kill it. 
Um, and so I do want to put a caveat to where it's like some people do at times just have to own it. Like sometimes you set it the best way you knew. You put as much sugar on it as you could. You try to be as loving as possible, and it just still ended, and they weren't going to hear you. But it is also my belief that those moments are far and few in between. They do exist, but they're not every time. And my personal belief is if we aren't careful, we will always project as if, well, I did my job. My kids are heathens, but I led them the way they were supposed to. It's not on me. I raised them right. I told them right for wrong. I wanted to tell you, if you got three kids and you're three for three and they ain't making really wise decisions, somewhere along the line, there was probably at least a couple things you might have been able to shift or adjust or change. And I just think the danger of assuming the reason someone didn't get it or the reason they didn't understand it or the reason they didn't hear it is their fault is now it's not on you to change. And I've seen this in my own personal life of any time it's not my fault, I have relinquished all ability to grow. I've relinquished all ability to change. Like if I'm always the victim, if it's always someone else's fault, then I'm not going to get better. Like if I preach sermons and nobody wants to follow Jesus and no one shows up and we start losing kids by the dozens, at some point, like, I've got to start asking some hard questions. It can't just be these children are heathen. They don't want to know who God is. Like, yeah. I might not be doing a good job of communicating him. And so I think for me, in general, yeah, no, I believe it. Yeah, I think in general, the safest ditch, if you have to pick a ditch, I think we should always try to be in the middle of the road with everything. But if you had to pick a ditch, I'm choosing the ditch. I didn't communicate it well. Because if there's something I can change, that means I can get better. Right. If I just always assume you didn't hear me because you didn't hear me on your fault, like you're not understanding what I said is on you, then I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to tweak how I said it. I'm never going to ask questions. And so when it comes to communication, but not just communication, when it comes to life, like I just think it's better to have extreme ownership. I think it's better to just assume you messed up mm-hmm. because if it's my fault, I can change something. But if I'm the victim and someone else did it to me, then I've relinquished my future. Right. Like I've relinquished my ability to get better, to change, to learn from the mistake because, well, it's not my fault. It's theirs. Yeah. And I just think that's dangerous. Uh, yeah, man, I read uh, Extreme Ownership. And if you guys haven't read it, it's a book by uh, Jocko Willink. And it's really good. I definitely recommend Super reading good. it. And since I've read it, it's I've tried to like train myself to like, even if there's a problem where it seems like it wasn't my fault, I will try to find like the little... Uh, thing that I did that I could have done better and so like I'll, I'll try to find the spot where like yeah actually maybe maybe it was only minimal but I actually did add to that not going the best way it could and it what it does is it, it's amazing like it seems like you would always be mad at yourself because you're mess you find out that you're messing up in a lot of areas but what it actually does is it gives you control because yeah. and you already said that but like whenever you um, don't take ownership of something that means you also don't have control over it That's and good. so you know, like I've seen that in people's lives where it's like, you know, they're just not having a good time. They're just not enjoying, uh, life things just aren't going well. And it's not always the case, but there are people that I know where it's like, it's because life is happening to you. Like you won't take ownership of the things that you can control and you won't take steps towards the life that you want to live. No, exactly. That's really, really good. Like 
perfect example is, right, so our student ministry switch meets up on Wednesdays. And so last night I'm preaching. And during the message, like I'm out here, I'm about to read the scripture. I've got a student, pin switch, that is airdropping me something on the iPad. I didn't even realize airdrop was turned on on my iPad. <clears throat> and so I'm sitting up here and it's like, ding. I'm like, what is happening? I don't say nothing. Because the second time it goes, ding. I'm like, this is not real. The third time he dings me again. And I'm like, this is nuts. I'm trying to talk to this whole room about Jesus, right? And hope. And here this kid is dinging my iPad. And so after the message is over and we go into our small groups, I grab him and I you know, sit down and talk with him. I'm like, the first question I asked him was, so what can I do to make our messages more engaging for you? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> because obviously I lost you. What part of my message didn't make sense to you? What part of the sermon didn't click? You know, when, when did you check out and start thinking, I'm going to airdrop somebody? And obviously the kid was just airdropping a random person. He just happened to pick the worst possible phone to do it to. I mean, my iPad. But in that conversation, for me, the first question I ask, because what can I do to help you? Because, yeah, I mean, obviously I could just be like, well, this kid's a heathen, just an immature sixth grader trying to be cute. Or maybe I wasn't that engaging last night. Maybe I didn't communicate who Jesus was in, in a clear enough way that it kept his attention. Maybe I was boring. And as the communicator, it's my job to do everything I possibly can to make what I'm saying click for you and be engaging enough that I keep your attention. I mean, I'm only preaching 20, 25 minutes. It's not that long. So if I'm losing you halfway through, there's a chance I could do something different. And if I can, I want to. Why? Because now every message I preach in the future, it might get better. This kid might help me see something in my message no one else has ever said before because no one's ever airdropped during my message, right? Maybe the last 10 weeks, no one's heard anything I'm saying because I'm that boring. And I hope not, and I don't believe that's the case. But it's the better question to ask than just to assume this kid doesn't like God and hates me. <clears throat> it's not. <clears throat> and I think when we create these moments in our life where we're reminding ourselves that we have a part to play always, it is so life-giving, kind of like growing up in a family where everything was everyone else's fault. Like I literally do not have a memory that comes to my mind of a single time that my grandma or my mom ever just owned something. <clears throat> like I'm 28 years old and I don't think I've ever seen them just take something on the chin. And it's, it's my family legacy. That's who we are, man. We are victims in all scenarios. We always have been like, it's just, like, as far back as I can go, it's always someone else's fault something happened to us. Like you said, life is happening to us. We're not creating the future. And I have watched my whole life of how suffocating that is and how immobilizing that is, and you can't get nowhere. And in my opinion, I had all of the exact same opportunities presented to me that my siblings did, and I live a very different life than my siblings. It isn't because I'm smarter than they are. It's not because I'm cooler than they are. It's not because I'm more gifted than they are. Some of them actually got skills. Like, they can build stuff. I just didn't want to be a victim anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that happened to us as kids that we couldn't have controlled, but, man, I could have been kinder. Yeah. I could have asked questions. I could have asked for help. I could have talked to some people. Like, I had a part to play in my own story, and being able to own however much percentage of that was my fault gave me the freedom 
to create the future that I always dreamed of. And you quoted Irma McManus, and it's one of my favorite quotes. We're imagined to imagine, created to create. You have inside of you everything necessary to create the beautiful future in front of you. But if you come to the moments of your life when it gets difficult and things don't work, and your natural response is to assume people did it to you, that's so, it's someone else's fault. That there's nothing you could have done. That was the only choice I could make. What other choice was there really? You always have a choice. You always have the ability to go a different route. You always have the option to change. And I get it. Yes, sometimes in life, the choices don't seem like they're choices. Sometimes it is the only rational choice to make. You still can make a different one. You still can go a different route. And I have watched people shift from assuming uh, I've watched people shift from assuming that life is happening to them to no, I'm going to happen to life. No, no, no. I'm going to put a mark on this world. No, I'm not going to let people tell me who I am anymore. I'm going to fight for the future I believe I've been called to create. And what that does in the individual is life-changing. And the freedom it creates, the hope that it breathes in someone's soul is life-altering. And you get to hear so many cool stories like that. You know, like that's most stories are people just shifted from, nope, I'm not taking it anymore. I'm going to stand up for the future that I want to create and I'm going to fight for it. And I just think one of the hardest things in the world is not falling into that that ditch where we just let life happen to us and it's so easy to do and we can all do it yeah it uh it's crazy we're talking about this because this week I, I got a text from one of my friends and it the text the text actually said something along the lines of like hey bro do you remember uh, back in high school when we thought we could be something and oh. my response was bro i believe that more now than i ever have Come on. And I think that it's it's because of me being here, to be like 100% honest. But it's like, it's because what you were saying, like when you take ownership of what you have, then now you have a part to play. And then I think it's it's a couple of different things, right? So like I'm not measuring success the way I did when I was in high school. Like when I was in high school, it was like, if we if one of us gets famous, then we're going to take care of like everyone. And like, you know what I mean? It's, and so there's that too. Like I realized that, that I'm called to create a future that not only uh is better for the generations like after me but also like i'm called right now to lead people to be fully devoted followers of christ right and whenever you can when you have something like that that it's like it although it doesn't always feel like it like to be 100 percent honest doesn't always feel like you're making a difference but when you have something like that where like you can actually see that like like last week we had like 11 people raise their hands like right for like salvation right and although like the part might be small like like I played a part in that, right? Yeah. Like I was here. And whenever you have something like that, it's so life-giving. And I think it comes back to like, you have to be able to own your life. You can't let life happen to you. Like, and that was our, I think that was our mindset back then too. was like, I mean, if life wants us to, like we'll eventually, if it happens to us right, we'll get famous. Like we'll get, you know what I mean? And it's like, once you can take control and realize that, no, 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 I can imagine a future. I can create a future that is better for others than it's just it's the most life-giving thing and to do that i i do believe that it takes like extreme ownership over over your choices that was really beautifully said your friend's text message hit me it hit me the whole idea that you remember when we used to think that we could be something i just it makes me so sad because 
I just think humans are so awesome. I do, man. I just, I think we're so cool. And the good things that we have the capacity to create is just so mind-blowing to me. Like, I was just thinking, like I was talking about Snapchat. Like, that was, I mean, a long ago, but like when I was in high school, the world has changed so much. Like, it like so fast. Like, I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary at a high school, and I remember having a flip phone, and now, like, 13-year-olds have computers in their pockets. Like, that wasn't that long ago that that didn't even exist. Like, I remember YouTube not having commercials on every four seconds of it. Like, it's crazy to me how much good we can create and how fast we can change and how many amazing ideas that we have. And I just think that we don't believe in ourselves enough. And there's a lot of reasons why we don't. There's a lot of reasons we don't have the confidence necessary to share our ideas or to break the cycles. And sometimes it's just the chaos you know is more comfortable than the fear of the unknown. So like, I know the rules of being a victim. I know the kind of posts I can make that are going to garner me the sympathy I need. I know it's easy to just always spin every story as if I'm this victim in this cosmic universe that's just out to get me. It's way scarier to start asking myself, did I have a part to play? Because now there's a whole domino effect that comes with that. But like the fear of the unknown on the other side of that comes with, oh, I can learn. I can change. I can shift. I can do new. I can be a different me. Like I can adapt. I can I can create a different future because now I know how I got there. Now I knew the part that I played. Now I know what I can switch. Now I know what I can shift. And I think for so many of us, we've let life happen to us for so long. We didn't know we could happen to life and you can like, so I don't care if you're 92 years old and you're listening to this podcast right now, there is still a beautiful future you can create. If you have breath in your lungs, this world can still be made better because you're in it. And my encouragement to you, whether it's figuring out how to communicate the idea, whether it's processing what's happened throughout life and where I was, a victim in what parts I played and how I can start not letting life continue to happen to me, like whatever. I mean, these are some lofty things we're talking about. None of this is simple. None of this is super fast, but it starts with asking questions. It starts with asking, what can I do different today that could create a different future tomorrow? That's like one of my favorite Dr. Chan Hellman quotes is this definition of hope. It's hope is the ability to take a step today that will create a better future for me tomorrow. And for so many of us, we have just lived so long not knowing we could do something different. And so maybe today's the first time you've heard someone tell you that you can happen to life. You can happen. Like this world can be different because you were on this planet. You are, you can, you should, you absolutely can happen to life. You have beautiful ideas. You have a unique story. You have a unique purpose. And when you get that out into the world, it gives God all kinds of room to do some incredible things in your life. And my challenge is really just simple. Don't be the victim. And that isn't to say that life is not deeply, deeply painful sometimes. And it's real easy to just say a sentence like, don't be a victim. And it sounds like we're minimizing that life can't hurt. No, 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 no. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Some scars are deep. 
and they hurt like hell and trying to process them is going to take weeks, months, for some of us, years. Like if it took 25 years to break, it might not take 25 minutes to fix. Like it's going to take some processing. I just want to encourage you that it's worth it, that it's worth asking the questions, having the conversations, because eventually you're going to be able to come out the other side of it and save people from some of the pains you went through. And then your story and your journey and your experience can be communicated in a way that it gives people hope. And you don't just become the next generation of victim, but you become the victor. Yeah. I think the beautiful thing about, one of the beautiful things about having a, a relationship with Jesus is, like in that text, it was, do you remember when we thought we could be something? And that's like such a, a worldly measurement of like, you're, you start off as nothing and you have to attain like you have to eventually become something. And yeah. like that's the that's the beautiful thing to me about having a relationship with Jesus is like I'm just as valuable now as I will be whenever I'm eighty to him, that's right? Good. Like I'm like you are already valuable. Like no matter where you're at, if you haven't even like if today is the first day you're starting to take this step, you're valuable. And <clears throat> I think once you get that in your head and you realize like, no, I'm not a victim, I'm valuable and I have the power to change, it's it like that's all you need to start taking steps. And once you, it's like a domino effect too. It's a snowball effect, right? Once you start taking a step, it, they just keep going. It's like, oh, I actually could do that. Oh, actually, that actually, even though that was hard before, uh, I've taken a little bit of a step. I've gotten better, and this next step actually feels easier than the last step did. And it's that's not good. not to say that life won't be hard, not to say there won't be setbacks, but I think if you can just start taking steps, like within a year, you'll look back and like you'll be able to see you were. 3,000 yards behind before, yeah. you know what I mean? And so... <clears throat> no, it's good. Momentum builds on itself. Yeah, it does. It does. It's like, yeah, it's it's crazy because, like, you could think about it now, right? Like, take it past, like, the the the, uh, the, the large concepts of, like, life trauma. Mm-hmm. Let's, get, let's get real light, real simple with it. Think about how hard learning multiplication was the first time you did it. Right, like I, I don't know if they do them anymore, but man, like the speed math test where you had to do these multiplication tables, like I don't know that I've ever experienced anxiety like that. Like I, I like it was the worst feeling. <clears throat> but like now I know, like simple multiplication. Like I don't have to think about it. It's very simple. Five times five is twenty-five. Like, but I remember learning like how to count by fives, and I remember learning like the the trick to multiplying things by nine and the trick to multiplying things by 10 and 11 like when you're first learning them they're difficult but there comes a moment where you've done it enough that's like no I can do it again so now like if I was to go back to school to learn something I believe I can learn because well I had 12 years of doing it in school that suggested I can learn new things and like this is true in all areas of life every first step is scary I mean, think about like if you if you can remember like the first day you go to preschool and like how terrifying that is. Like I'll I remember dropping my daughter off to school for the first time and Emery was like an extrovert, so for her she was good. She was ready to be out of the house. But I did remember like watching these children just crumble. Because for some of them they've never spent an entire day away from mom. Like it's a terrifying concept. Fast forward two weeks, they're good. Like for the most part, there's a few exceptions, 
no, this is home now. They're cool. This is what we do. And so I think there is something to be said about like looking back at other moments in life where you've learned new things can create confidence for you that you can do it now, right? So whatever the first step for you in creating the future that you want to create, just start simple and then take another simple one and then take another simple one. And before you know it, the momentum will create for itself. And like you said, you're going to look back and be blown away. And one of the coolest things, in my opinion, about a personal faith in Jesus is I think you got God's help with it. So, like, you start moving towards the person you've been called to be, dude, there is, like, a supernatural help to do that thing. And so you will see, like, light years is what it feels like you're traveling at times because, like, oh, man, this is what I've always needed. Like, it's crazy to me, like, how much momentum you can generate for yourself just moving towards health and how like life-giving and how quick it becomes life-giving. It's scary, it's scary, it's scary. Once you get into it, it's like, oh, wow. Now this is crazy. Like my wife today uh, started going to therapy for the first time like ever. And I'm super stoked about it because she texts me leaving it. She's like, I was so nervous to go to this but it was the most amazing thing ever. She started seeing me screenshots of like these things that they process through that like that are helping her process like her own pains and traumas and stuff. And it's like 15 hours before that, she like had anxiety level 10 about going. One hour session, she's ready to be back next week. And I think that's what life looks like. I think that's what moving towards health looks like. And so wherever we're at in our journeys, whatever our stories are, whatever it is we're processing, we're trying to figure out our next step, just take the step. Because before too, before long, you're going to look back and it's not going to be as hard as you thought it was. It's just what we do. It's just who we are. We move towards health. And once you start having some fruit on that tree, it makes it real easy to make the next call to take the next step. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, uh, I think this is a good spot to wrap this up. I really appreciate you talking with me today. I think it's been a really good conversation. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, so we're moving closer and closer to wanting to do that mailbag episode. Yes. And I realized something in our last episode that, um, well, not everybody uses email. So yeah. I'm going to give you some other ways that you can reach out to us. So, yes, you can email us at nowalls at thebrick.church. That is nowalls at thebrick.church. We've already got some in, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But also, you can go ahead and message us uh, at the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on Instagram. So the brick.church on Instagram or the brick.church on Facebook. And if you want to message us some questions that way, we'll look at all of them. We'll process them all, we'll p- compile them all together. And we'll do a whole me- episode dedicated to answering the questions to people who listen. Yeah. I'm super excited about that, that episode for sure. So you guys send some stuff in. Uh, we can't wait to see your questions. We can't wait to actually have this kind of be like more of a dialogue between us and the, the listeners. And so um, we appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys sharing and rating and uh thanks for talking to me today bro i love you love you sir